Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 18 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, we take a moment to look at the next generation of leaders and how voices from a younger demographic can help with growth now and in the future. Paul, when it comes to leadership, we traditionally just look at someone aging into that position, but there is opportunity for change. There is. I mean, you're right that traditional mindsets around this center around gray hair and experience, that uh, leaders need to have a few miles on them in order to uh, fully and effectively execute the role. But I think there's also room for uh, input that comes from uh, other perspectives, including a younger generation. Sometimes we'll hear debates, uh, you know, from people saying that 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote and some of those sorts of things. And it, periodically you hear it in the conversation in the community that others have kicked this around. I had an experience uh, back about 20 years ago when I was chairing the Economic Development Board in Regina. It was the, uh, we called it RIDA in those days, uh, Regina Regional Economic Development Authority. And I had, uh, just separate from that, been uh, requested or uh, contracted to participate as a, a rapporteur at a, a national conference put on by the Federal Ag Department. Uh, it was their branch of rural and regional or rural and remote community development. So this was a little segment that, you know, Ottawa really doesn't know where to, they don't want to have a whole department for small towns or small communities. So they put it into ag and figured it would fit there, but it's kind of got nothing to do with agriculture. It's got more to do with economic development and community building. But anyway, they had this conference and it was in Portage in Manitoba. So I get commissioned, uh, to go and basically wander around this conference for two, three days, just listening what's going on on the floor and, you know, get, get the viewpoints. And my job at the end was to kind of summarize and to say, here's the insights that I picked up. So I was given the assignment to look after the Anglophone side. And uh, my counterpart uh, was a, a nun from St. Anne's College in Nova Scotia. She did the Francophone side. So the two of us would just kind of, we didn't work together. We just kind of wandered around and at the end of the day would collaborate a little bit. And then we'd, uh, at the conclusion of this conference, we were asked to uh, provide some insight. Anyway, as I'm wandering around, I walk into this one breakout room and, and I kind of arrived mid-sentence for this guy. I don't know who he was. I don't even know what role he was, but I know he's from Newfoundland. But he made this comment and it was one that resonated with me. He just said, and, and the topic of the day was uh, trying to hold young people in a community. So it was uh, youth retention, these kinds of things. So he made the comment. He said, if you want to hold on to the young people in your community, you better make room for them at the leadership table. And I thought, what an interesting insight. That was a, you know, it was one of those things that just it hit my ear very, very strongly. And I thought, I, I want to like that. So a tool that they had at this conference was they gave everybody a, a, a three by five card and an envelope. And you wrote something on the card that you promised to yourself that you would do within 90 days. 
and then put it in the envelope with your own address on it. They, the conference organizers, took it upon themselves to mail it to you, and they waited for about six weeks till they sent it. So it was a reminder of what you promised yourself that you would do at this conference. So six weeks after I had said, uh, you know, I opened my little envelope that dutifully arrived at my place, reminding myself as board chair Rita to uh, make some space for some young people at the leadership table. So we created what we called the Future Leaders Group, and uh, I sort of hand-selected some young people from the community. They were mostly, uh, my my kids were in uh, university at the time, so I relied heavily on, on their contacts. We ended up with about 16 or so over the course of a few years that uh, participated in this, and, and the basic concept was here are the issues that the main economic development authority board are dealing with. And guess what they were youth retention, right? It was, how do you build a community? How do you grow population? And it's sure hard to grow your population if you're just losing kids all the time because they perceive a lack of opportunity. So we looked at uh, a couple of things. Uh, They, they prompted some of this stuff. They were told there was an exercise back then uh, conducted by Crown Investments Corp that had looked at the demographics inside the Crown Corporations in Saskatchewan, and they were able to actually build a book. They called it Managing the Bubble, and it was the baby boom generation and how uh, they were going to be proceeding through to retirement. And they actually broke it down. This is how many people will retire each week in the crowns. And they basically worked off eligibility uh, for uh, qualifying for pension. So they were able to say, this is the cohort of people we will need to replace, you know, to bring in the next generation to fill these slots. Well, as it turned out, the kids were looking at this book too, and the book turned out to be wrong. Uh, People weren't retiring on the appropriate day. They are actually hanging on. And I remember the young people saying, how do you want us to hold on, stay in the community when we can't find job opportunities? And we know you keep telling us the crowns are going to have all these opportunities, and yet they don't. So, you know, they pushed pretty hard on that. And so we got together and went and talked to some of the union leaders at the crowns and said, you know, what's the story? And they said, yeah, well, those numbers are accurate. That's the way it is. But here's the deal. And I, I would look at it. Most of those people in that in those days were still on the old benefits plan, the old pension plan. So it was defined benefit. So you got two percent per year per year of service, uh, sort of thirty five years, give you seventy percent of your paycheck, kind of thing. And I said, why would your members go to work for basically thirty cents? Like they would get seventy cents if they didn't show up for work, they get a dollar if they do. So you're working for 30 cents. Why do you bother? And they said, interesting observation on their part. They said, one of the main drivers was, you know, people are living longer and they're more uh, vital. And so they're not ready to quit exactly. But also as soon as they quit, they had to pick up their benefits on their own. And so that kept them going to work to keep the benefits, not the pension plan, the benefits plan working. And I thought, well, this shouldn't be insurmountable, but it was an insight to me was that these young people were asking really good questions that the rest of us weren't. And uh, so as we dug into this, we ended up uh, giving them this, this kind of task of say, write a report or come back to us with some plan that you would be building around youth retention. And let's get it directly from the horse's mouth sort of thing. And, well, it came back with a very detailed plan. I mean, uh, full marks. When you have young people, this is one of the lessons I got in this. You give them an opportunity 
to be heard. Like you give them responsibility, they take it seriously. And they really did a magnificent job on writing this report. And they came back with a five-point plan. And most of them were pretty standard to be expected. But one really resonated. It was called The Buzz. And they said, if you're going to hold young people in your community, you had better make sure you have a vibrant social scene. And, uh, you know, fast forward 20 years, I remember talking with Nenad Bach, and Nenad is a, a internationally recognized musician. He's in a Croatia, and he was living in Manhattan at the time I was talking to him. And, and he made this, this comment, and this is an aside, but he said, if in your community you have great coffee, great restaurants, and great music, people and companies don't leave those kinds of towns. So he said, you know, and, and economic developers spend all their time working about incentives and, you know, tax rates and the electrical rates and utilities and this kind of stuff. And he's saying, no, no, it's a softer side thing. And he cites the, the case of Austin, Texas, where the mayor of Austin, you know, 30 years ago went to Willie Nelson and Janis Joplin and Stevie Ray Vaughan and said, I'll give you the street corners. You give me the musicians and we will just turn this town into music haven and, and we'll just make it good so that musicians can come and play on the street corners, busking, work their craft, learn how to make some money, create a community where they start to collaborate. And, and you know, fast forward 30 years in Austin, Texas, fastest growing city in the U.S. or second fastest now. But, but Nanette pointed to this and he said, when Michael Dell, who's in Austin, became very successful, the world said Dell Computers has to move to Silicon Valley. That's where all the technology companies go. And he said, no, I, I'm not leaving Austin. It's too good a community. And, you know, you end up with South by Southwest and all of those, those sort of cultural-based events around Austin. And you begin to realize that culture can indeed be a community builder. Well, those young people 20 years ago in Regina really pointed to the same thing. And so one of their arguments was they said the nightclub strip on, on Dudney Avenue, we need to extend the hours. That was one of their recommendations. So go from two in the morning till, I think they said three or four, the Quebec model was four in the morning. And, uh, and, and, you know, when they dropped this on our desk, here's one of the hilarities of all of this. And it really drove home the point was we were in the middle of a civic election campaign and the, uh, the city councilman who was a council member who represented that ward was actually campaigning on the basis of restricting the hours of the nightclubs, actually shortening them when the young people were asking to extend them. And his argument was, you don't need to be here and squealing tires at two o'clock in the morning. And uh, so, you know, it was such an old person's perspective. And yet, ironically, this was the same city councilor who I remember having to appear before city council and he was on the economic committee. So he was the one always challenging our budgets and asking all the questions. He was ironically asking all the time, how come we weren't building the population and holding on to more young people? And then here he was running against the exact same thing. And I thought, there it is. That's the full 100% juxtaposition of what needed the, co the conversation needed to be, was that the people who were in position of authority were actually going the wrong way, and those who were being affected were profoundly facing a profoundly different direction, 180 degrees. So it was really quite a lot of fun, and it was very insightful. And interestingly, uh, this thing caught the attention of other political leaders, and Lauren Calvert was the premier at the time, 
he decided that uh, near the end of his term that he would have a, a youth summit. And uh, so he, he wanted to address these same issues of youth retention and some of this stuff. So that was on in Saskatoon. And when it came time to fill the agenda, to populate the agenda with speakers, three of the five speakers he had at that thing were members of my future leaders group in Regina. Why? Because they had spent time focused on it. And, you know, they were, the, they were like they'd become the resident experts. So as I look back at this now 20 years later, uh, one of the, I mean, obviously it was, it's gratifying to look back and see the impact they had, but here's the really profound piece in it. Every one of those young people, all talented, all extremely successful, are all still here. They did not join the exodus. Some are in like senior roles in the corporate community. One's a vice president of investment in a major company. Another one leads a national uh, practice for uh, a national accounting firm. Should really not be in Regina, but said, no, I'm, and he was actually the co-chair. It was interesting because his brother-in-law, I had, a, I had co-chaired it with, uh, with the one person, you know, one, one of the young people on the panel. And, I had picked this this young guy uh, to to do it, and he said yes. And so then, just before we were launching, he called me and he said, I'm, "I can't do it. I, I can't sit on this thing." And I said, "Well, why not?" And he said, "Well, I just got a Rhodes scholarship. I'm going to Oxford." I said, "Okay, that's good enough." And uh, you know, since then, I've stayed in touch with him. He wrote a book not long ago. He was on a on a stage. Uh, a, two years ago, I think, something like that, in Norway. Uh, he was co-panelist with uh, Barack Obama. So, it was, you know, these kids, just outstanding uh, performers. But he said, my brother-in-law would like, he, he would do it. And he's from Ontario. And he said he would never, under the cir- any circumstances, whatever, on planet Earth, ever move to Saskatchewan. Then he met my sister. They're living in Regina. Now, you can't get this guy out of here with a crane. Here he is running a national uh, practice for a national accounting firm and will and he does it from regina he will not leave the community uh, another one is uh you know number two in a global uh company he works out of regina and it's really quite fascinating to see how given a responsibility early in their careers they generate roots that are you just can't pull them out of your community so the moral of the story for any economic developer in the province who might be listening to this or anywhere actually any smaller community if you want to hold on to young people and build uh, give them some space at the at the leadership table it's a powerful powerful tool so when you look at the space ahead of us the the opportunities that you know we're seeding now as a community as leaders of today into the the leaders of tomorrow it, this clearly has to be a repeating pattern because otherwise it stops within that second generation it's got to become almost a practice and how do you make that happen and make it meaningful but rather than being tokenism yeah it's a good point and you know you you end up uh Part of this is not just uh, the responsibility of those currently in leadership roles, uh, the older people. I mean, if you create a space for young people to to strut their stuff, they actually have to execute. 
uh, I mean, they have to deliver the mail as well. It's not just uh, you're guaranteed an automatic uh, pass simply because, you know, you were standing in the right spot at the right time. No, you have to bring some insight. So you have to be able to understand some of the other stuff. And you realize the world evolved the way it is for a reason. I know idealistically you want everybody tomorrow to stop burning carbon, uh, but it's not going to move quite that rapidly. And so you have to figure out how did the world get to be the way it is today? And then start to offer some new insights. And you'll find that they're creative minds and uh, they might be a little idealistic, but so what? And what I discovered with the young people that were sitting on ours, they didn't have an answer to every question, but the ones that they did really zero in on, had they had self-interest and they were actually quite uh, willing to provide an insight that was useful that somebody else didn't have. Where I think this is particularly interesting and I think particularly exciting is looking at the jobs market, looking at employment. We're in a we're in a position a bit like what you said that people aren't retiring early, people are leaving it longer because it's it's the lifestyle, it's the it's the benefits, it's the social interaction, it's the community that they have around their workplace. But that happens throughout every ecosystem in every community. And I think one of the spaces was, you know, I'm going to be a fan of this because we produce in conjunction with Innovation Place, a podcast called Startupville. An interesting place to look is that startup sector in that, you know, starting a new business, that tech sector, seeing what investments they get. And the reason is... And here's my theory, and I'd love to know your position on this. My theory is within the corporate structures that we've got, there's only so much flexibility and you want continuity and long-term stability. Where this means that where people are willing to sometimes think differently, sometimes they've got the skills, but the opportunities aren't quite there yet and it will take them a little bit of time. Whether their startup succeeds or is a journey, a lesson that they learn from, whichever way it goes, we're seeing a lot of people wanting to stay here, invest their time, and really put both feet forwards into an enterprise, and they're proud to make it a Saskatchewan enterprise. Yeah, that's it's very valid, I think. And, and the challenge here in this is that you don't just cast away all the experienced seasoned players and just say, the new ones are the the you know they have to earn their spot on the on the roster just like anybody else, and uh, so otherwise you say to young people uh, you know we're going to give you all the coveted spots but when you're 35 we punt you, I mean that's the professional sports model isn't it? And uh, you know ironically I mean the first time I ever went to China uh, we went into northern China and uh, to Saskatchewan sister province and and. They had a hockey team there, and we sent a coach over to uh, assist. I was part of Saskatchewan's first contribution to our relationship. And they had a seniority system on the hockey team. The oldest players were the first line, and the youngest players were the last line. Well, the youngest players, the last line, which is supposed to be your fourth stringers, were actually the strongest. So the night that uh, they gave the Saskatchewan coach the honor of being the guest coach for the night, the provincial team was playing the national team. So it was a big honor. So the first thing he did was put all the young people on the first uh, as the starters. And everybody lost their mind on the other side. And then they said, well, you can't do that. You know, there's seniority. And he goes, hey, 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 you gave me the coaching job. And so he put the young people, he mixed the lines up, didn't go by age. And guess what? They won. 
the, the provincial team beat the national team. Well, Saskatchewan's stock went way up in this relationship, but it was the point was driven home is that, you know, young people bring certain talents to the parade. And I think that's the point that we're trying to make here is create space for them. Don't kick everybody else out of the way, but give them input and make that input uh, actually give it meaningful listening to, if I can use that term. That's not an expression you've ever heard before, but I've just invented it. So there you go. Paul, thank you so much for this. I think there is an opportunity for us to listen intergenerationally and to support each other for the common good and for the growth of growing together. Thank you so much. Not at all. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share these insights that power Saskatchewan with your friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.